Welcome to Church at Home. I'm Pastor Jacob Aranza, and along with my beautiful wife, Michelle, and I, on behalf of all of our pastors from all six of our campuses spread all across Acadiana, thank you for joining us today. I hope you and your family have been cared for during this time. We've been praying for so many, and all this happening all across our region. We love you. We miss you. And I want to tell you something. On behalf of myself, my wife, all of our pastors and our staff, we can't wait to see you soon. But we're so glad you're watching today. I have a question for you. How well did you do at school? Maybe you would say, I, I did great. Or if you were anything like me, you probably loved everything about school except Friday. You say, Pastor, why, why Friday? Friday was test day. It was finals day. The day when you were tested to see what you'd learned Monday through Thursday or what you learned during the entire semester in that final exam. If it wasn't for Fridays and finals, matter of fact, I believe I'd be a medical doctor. I'd have a PhD as well in theology. If it only hadn't been for those tests. By the way, why do we have tests anyways? I mean, school was going great. I was enjoying all of my friends, loving life, getting ready for the weekend. And then here it comes to ruin everything. The test. What is the purpose of test? I believe that tests show us three things. They show us what we know versus what we thought we knew. Secondly, they reveal where we're strong and also where we're weak. Third, they show us the areas that we really need to work on. What tests do is they reveal on the outside to everyone what I really know on the inside. Well, Pastor, why are you saying that? Because right now, in the world that we live in, every one of us are going through a time of testing. It's not just economical or political or governmental or relational. It's deeply spiritual. In biblical terms, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. With all these tests coming at one time, that may be new to you and me. It's not new to the early Christians from this book and also to many other believers all across the world. Christianity was born in a time of testing, just like we're experiencing today when everything that could be shaken was being shaken. Today, I want us to learn how to go through tests from an expert. As a matter of fact, this book tells us that he saw Jesus go through all of life's most difficult tests imaginable, and what a personal insight he had. Let's open up to the book of James and hear what James had to say. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up a power within you to endure all things. And then when your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection or maturity into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Wow. 
What was the Apostle James teaching us? He was teaching us amazing truths about testing. Here's the first thing that he says. When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Okay, what in the world does that mean? How can I be going through struggles on every end? How can I be facing physical, mental, emotional, relational How can I be facing all of these challenges and they come to me and I consider it great joy? That I consider it a moment where I can have the greatest opportunity to have joy possible? One translation says, count it all joy when you fall. Listen, I don't know how many times you've fallen lately. You know, when you're a a child, you fall a lot. The older I get, the more I can tell you. I can tell you the last time I fell down because I remember it very well. Here's what he's trying to do. James is giving us a new perspective. What's the perspective that he wants to give us about these tests? What's the perspective that he wants to give us about these trials? It's simple. The first thing that he says is embrace what you want to avoid. I I can't tell you how many tests I was sick for. I wasn't sick until I found that there was going to be a test. Then I got nauseated and my head hurt and I had to go to see the nurse. Something was wrong. The first perspective he gives us is we no longer have to avoid. Now embrace it. Here's the second thing that he says. Let joy come from who Christ is within you and not from the circumstances around you. You know, we use a word often called happiness, which actually is a root word of happenstance. It means because things are good around me and I feel good about myself, I am happy. There is a greater happiness than you and I could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. There is nothing joyful about the cross, but he knew there was an end result. And the end result was the redemption of of mankind, salvation for you and for me. So he says, let this joy come from who Christ is within you and not just the circumstances or the happenstances around you because there's a lot of things going around you right now and if you have to have circumstances around you to give you joy, you may not be joyful for a while. Here's the third thing that he gives us in understanding this new perspective, joy is a choice to have a new perspective. God's perspective. J- joy is a choice. You see, there's all kinds of different pain. You know what stupid pain is? It's when you make the same mistake that you made before. I was walking around the couch the other day, and, and, and when I did, I, I kicked with my little toe the coffee table. I fell over. I could tell by the way I felt. I could tell it broke. I looked over, and my children, they were sitting on the couch, and they were laughing, and they go, Dad, there you go again. You do it all the time. You walk around with your shoes off, and when you do, quite often you hit the side of the table with one of your toes. You broke your toe. I was moaning and groaning. You know why? It was a stupid test. I kept having the same pain. Number three, joy is a choice to have a new perspective. What perspective? God's perspective. God's perspective. 
How many times have you gone back and looked at a moment of your life that you thought was so terrible and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to you? Can I tell you something kind of sad and silly? I remember uh, I kept a journal for a long time. I remember when I came to Lafayette and I remember a, a, a girl that I had a crush on at that time. I can actually go back to that yellow notebook and I can tell you in my journal, I have the date written down and I went, I hope she likes me. And then I can go back and show you the thing where it says, it's not working out. I was so sad. Can I tell you this? I'm in that same community and it's almost 40 years later and I want to tell you what was on the other side of that disappointment was a divine appointment. You know what her name is? Michelle Aranza, my wife of 38 years and the dream of my life. He gives us a new perspective. Here's the second thing that he gives us, a new power, a new power. James wants us to know that tests are sent by God to make you stand while temptation is sent from the enemy to make you fall. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? You see, when we go through testing, it brings pressure. And pressure causes you and me to rely upon the presence of God. And it releases a greater power within you. Yes, it does. You see, God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. So the Apostle Paul said, so when I am weak, I'm strong. Why? Because in my flesh I'm weak, but in my spirit, he is strong inside of me. If we resist moments of testing, we resist an opportunity to gain new divine strength from God. That's what James is teaching us. Here's the third thing that James teaches us. We can have a new peace. The Amplified Version says it like this, Be assured that the testing of your faith through, say this with me, experience, produces, next word, endurance, leading to spiritual, next word, maturity, and an inner peace. An inner peace. Lean on a moment. How many of you know that if you just keep an eye on everything that's going on, whether it's the oil industry, whether it's what's happening politically, whether it's what's happening economically, whether it's what's happening in people that you know who are struggling with addictions and fears and depression and many of the things that all of this testing that's upon the earth right now and upon our country right now, that when we're going through those things, the enemy's design is to cause you to be weak and to be frail and to quit. But God wants to give you something else in the testing of your faith. It's these four things that are mentioned right here in this verse. One, he wants to give you experience. He wants to give you experience. You ever, you ever talk to an old Christian? Maybe a mama or papa. Maybe an old priest or an old pastor. Who you come and, and you're facing the biggest challenge of your life and you pour your heart out to them and they look at you with a big smile and they pat you on the shoulder. They pray quietly and say, Shah, God's going to carry you through this. I've been through things like this before. I've been through worse than this before. 
God wants to give you experience that becomes a treasure and a gift that you're able to share with not only you in your spiritual journey, but others in their spiritual journey. Here's the second thing he says here is, he says endurance. Endurance. That that means that when others quit, when others stop, when others fail, when others say, I'm throwing in the towel, that something rises up inside of you that says, God sustained me here, He sustained me there, He carried me there, and He will carry me and sustain me again. Not just experience, but endurance. Here's the third thing that he talks about in this verse. Maturity. Maturity. Maturity is a willingness to accept responsibility for that which lies in your hand. But can I tell you what else maturity is? Maturity is realizing that you can stress out all you want, you can work as hard as you want, and you can do everything you want, but there's things that will not change until God wants and people cooperate. Maturity. And then here's the fourth thing, inner peace. What what does that mean, Pastor Jacob? Describe that for me. Well, well, let me describe it to you. Man is three-part. Body, soul, and spirit. The voice of my body is feelings. The voice of my soul is reason. That's my mind, will, and emotion. Its voice is reason. And the third is my spirit. That's where God lives. And the voice of my spirit is conscience. That's where God and that's where His Word speak to me right here in my spirit. And when I walk through testing and I embrace his perspective. I embrace his peace. Then can I tell you what happens to me? There is something that comes in that's spiritual, that overrules my mind, will, and emotions, that overrules the voice of my body, which is my feelings, that overrules the voice of my soul, which is reason. And it overrules all of that, and it covers me, and it keeps me. Jesus was leaving his disciples after they left everything to follow him. And in John chapter 14, he started talking crazy, saying, I'm leaving you. I'm going to go away. And they began panicking. And Jesus looked at them, and he said this, My peace I give to you. In other words, I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to give you something that's going to carry you long after I'm gone. And even when you see me go through horrific things which are about to come, I have something that I want to give your spirit that will sustain you even when your feelings and even when your reason cannot understand. So that what the enemy sent to shake you instead because of the truth of God's Word and the power of Christ living within you, it doesn't shake you. It simply makes you stronger. What was sent to cause you to panic instead has pushed you by pressure and presence into the presence of God. And now it gives you peace, not external peace, real peace, inner peace, His peace. Now, how could James, how could James have such amazing insight? Well, what was it about this man that made him an expert on trials? Like, like, what had he gone through? What mistakes had he made? In our final moments, let me tell you who James was. 
James was the flesh and blood brother of Jesus. Of course, Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary. But after that, Mary and Joseph had children. Many of you were raised not believing that that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but let's look and see what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 13, And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and, and these mighty words? Is this not the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary? And aren't his brothers James, who we're speaking of, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Yes, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Now, you want to talk about pressure? How about your big brother being Jesus? You, you want to talk about a, a weight and a responsibility? Yet here's the second thing that helped James become an expert on test. Even though he grew up with the Son of God, he didn't believe he was the Son of God. Now, you, ever, you ever get close to greatness and think, I was such an idiot, how could I not see that? You, you ever write next to something amazing that happened and yet you were looking the other way and people go, well, what happened? Imagine living in the same home all of your life with Jesus who grew up there for 30 years and that you grew up from the time you can remember Jesus was your older brother. Jesus was your example. Jesus was the one that helped your mama. Jesus was the one that said, no, come on, come this way. Here, grab my hand. And yet never recognizing that he was God in the flesh. Just, just, just take that in a moment. How would you feel about yourself by going, what what an idiot. How did I not know it? How could I not tell? What was wrong with me? You see, John 7, 5 says, even his brothers did not believe in him. So pastor, when, when was he changed? He was only convinced after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to James. That's right. In 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 3, he says this, First I deliver to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scripture, and that He was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve, and after that He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. After that He was seen by... James. That's right, James. Can you imagine Jesus appearing to his brother who lived with him all of his life but didn't believe in him and never acknowledged, even through the three years of ministry, through the miracles, through the walking on water, through the healing of the dead little girl, through the multiplying of the loaves and the bread, the water into wine, where his whole family was at. All of those things, and him looking and going, what and moron, what, how could I not see this? You know what the truth is? There are many tests that if we don't pass, we will look back on that and go, how did I not see that? It was so clear. It was so, how, how could I miss that? Everything looks clear in reverse, doesn't it? Someone said, faith is believing in advance would only make sense in reverse. Do you know how James' life ended? Yes, 
Yes, he knew Jesus all of his life growing up and didn't believe to the resurrection. But it was this James that after Peter was martyred for his testimony of the resurrection of Jesus, he became the head of the church in Jerusalem. And not only did he become the head of the church, in 63 AD, during Passover, he was taken to the top of a temple and asked to deny the fact that he had seen the resurrected Christ. And when he denied it, they took him and they threw him from on top of the temple. And when that didn't kill him, men and women picked up clubs and beat him till he died. And history tells us that on his knees, he prayed for those who were beating him until he died. You see, God has a purpose behind every test you and I walk through. So today I want to encourage you, regardless of what test you're walking through, look up, look up. God is with you. Look up. Nothing can come to you that doesn't first come through your Father's hand. Second, look in. Let the peace of the Holy Spirit cover you and carry you. I'm going to pray for that in just a moment. I'm going to pray that peace covers and carries you. And here's the third thing. Look out. Because there are people that need, as everything is being shaken, they need the unshakable rock that cannot be moved. They are waiting to see someone stand in faith and in boldness for Christ. There's a lot of things that are going on in our world, but God still has men and women everywhere who are unwilling to bow down to the test of this world, but instead grow. Get God's perspective. Get his peace. And watch as he begins to impart his life to them. Can I pray for you? Father God, right now, I pray for so many who are walking through moments of challenge, whether it's with their job, whether it's with their health. We pray for the thousands that have been affected by the COVID-19 virus, and we declare the power of the cross over COVID-19. We pray for healing virtue. Lord, we pray for those in our region who've gone to be with you as a result of COVID-19. We pray for their family. Brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, neighbors, fellow parishioners and brothers and sisters in Christ. Surround them by your Holy Spirit, I pray. And now, I pray that as we walk through this season, we will embrace it and one day be able to say, like James, that we have counted it all joy, knowing that you are working in us and through us to mature us and to leave us with a divine deposit of heaven that says to this world, there is something that's solid and will never, ever be shaken. In Jesus' name, I pray that today this message encouraged you. I pray that if you're a born-again child of God, that today you recognize that every test you go through, there is a reward at the end. 
and that God is going to carry you. But there's two types of peace. There's the peace of God. There's that inner peace I just talked about that belongs to every believer, every born-again child of God. But then there's a second type of peace. It's called peace with God. You say, Pastor, how do I get peace with God? That comes the moment you're born again. You say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, my birthday's June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a chemistry lab. That day, I prayed to trust Christ with my entire life. I repented of my sins. And that day, the old Jacob died and a new one was raised from the dead. I was born again. A man came to Jesus one day, was very religious. His name was Nicodemus. He was actually like a priest or a pastor. And he came and he said, Jesus, I know that you're a teacher that's come from God because no one could do the things you do unless God was with him. Jesus knew this man was open and he was hungry. And so he said to him, I want to give you a key. Here it is. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, Nicodemus, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he go back into his mother's womb the second time? And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about being physically born again. I'm talking about being spiritually born again. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that enough? That's a great start. But that's not what Jesus said. In John 3, 3, he said, you must be born again. Well, pastor, how can I be born again? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. Somebody's going to die for your sin. It's either you or him. C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin through repentance. As you look at what you've done and say, I hate that. I don't want to live my life for myself. I want to make God the boss from this day forward. And when you do those three things, admit, believe, and confess the repentance, you become a born-again child of God. I want to pray for you today. If you want to make that decision, if today you want to be born again, I'm going to give you an opportunity right there, wherever you are, to pray this prayer. Would you bow with me right now and just repeat it right after me? Just as many of you have in our Father, just repeat it right after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed to be born again with Pastor Jacob, congratulations, you've just made the best decision of your life. And we'd love to help you with your next step. All you have to do is text the word Connect OSC to 41411. And somebody from our team is going to reach out to you and help you on your spiritual journey. Finally, thank you for your continued faithful giving and generosity during this crucial time. There's always three ways to give. 
You can text OSC family to 77977 or go to OurSaviorsChurch.com, click on give or mail to the address on the screen. Don't forget 714 tonight on Facebook Live. That's at 714 p.m. I'll be on there, so I can't wait to see you there. And then check your email, don't forget, for COVID survey, or you can go to OurSaviorsChurch.com to take that. We'd love to hear back from you. Thanks again. God bless, and we'll see you next weekend.